Hashtag no limits with Sherry Dodderer today. Welcome and thank you for joining us today on Hashtag No Limits. I'm your host, Shelly Kino. Hashtag No Limits is about people that society puts limits on, but have busted through those limits. Ophelia says in Hamlet, we know what we are, but not what we may be. I believe this to be true and that there is no better example than the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. The caterpillar literally dissolves in it, it, literally dissolves and its cells reform into a butterfly. As the butterfly emerges from the cocoon, it has to struggle in order for its wings to be strong enough to fly. So obviously this is no easy process, but neither is breaking through limits that society has set upon a person. But just like the caterpillar, when we believe in ourselves, we can accomplish more than others might think. And if we have a support system around us to encourage us, even better. One area where I have seen societal and educational limits is on children who have a specific learning disability. Dysgraphia? Most people have never heard of dysgraphia, but they have heard of the specific learning disability, dyslexia. And my dog is saying hello to all of you. Hello. <laughs> What's your dog's name? Jonas. Hello. Um, so Sherry is a wife, mother, entrepreneur, author, occupational therapist, and oh yeah, she has dysgraphia. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. It is wonderful to be here, and I am so glad that your dog left us know that he was here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was also letting me know that somebody was probably milling around within a three or four block radius of our home, however far he can see outside the windows. Uh -huh. he, uh, it doesn't matter if they're in our yard or not. If, as long as they're in his vision, they're a problem in his mind. <laughs> He's guarding you. That's it's the true. way it is. It is very mm -hmm. true. So Sherry, what is dysgraphia and how has society attempted to put limits on you because of you having dysgraphia? Well, that's very loaded and that's uh, probably <laughs> going to take up the entire time that we are live. First of, so Sorry. First, of all, first of all, let's separate that into two parts. First okay. of all, what is dysgraphia? Dysgraphia is a specific learning disability. There are three. The first one is dyslexia. Dyslexia is difficulty with reading. The third is dyscalculia, and that is difficulty with math. The one in between is difficulty with writing. So one of the things that I like to say is that literacy is sensory, which is reading, motor, which is the, discra which is the dysgraphia or writing, plus keyboarding, plus math. If you put them all together, you'll have a complete literacy. If you have a problem in one of those areas, you are going to struggle at something throughout your day. Right. And so it's a problem with writing, yet you've written a book. How does that work? Well, <laughs> let me take you back to high school when okay. I was in Mavis Beacon typing class. <laughs> and every time that I would type anything, it was wrong. If I would try to spell, it was wrong. So those days in those early years when I was in college, because I was in college in the 80s, thank you. Uh, <clears throat> I'm dating myself. You're welcome. Anyway, uh, 
back in those days, we had a lot of manual based things to do. My thing is now that we have these features that are like Microsoft Word, Google Docs, Google Excel, uh, um, and all of those things, I've been able to combat it because don't ask me to type anything. Even your name, Shelly. Is it Y-E or E-Y? So the spelling is really the thing that gets to me. And then making sure that the sentence is complete. I'll tell you what, writing a sentence out on paper, I end up with the middle first. Oh. And then going, oh, oh yeah, no, let's restructure it. So when I'm actually like typing and pulling things out on paper, it's the middles first and then I complete it. It's bizarre. It's weird, but that's the way life is. And writing a book. Well, it was only because of those, those tech, those, that technology and Grammarly. Grammarly saves me all the time. Oh, okay. Um, So those, those tools that we now take for granted, I were the things that saved me and gave me the ability to write the book. Before that, I just struggled. The other thing is I have difficulty reading because I have convergence insufficiency, which means that my eyes get very tired when I'm trying to look at small print. Now, when you get into college, how much of what we're trying to read is a small print with a lot on the page. Mm-hmm. And I was going the neuroscience route. <laughs> what is wrong with this picture, Sherry? I, I appreciated the pictures, the anatomy class where I had the pictures and it had lines and a word over here. Mm-hmm. That part of the dysgraphia and that part of the, the reading pieces weren't an, an issue for me. It's, it was the small print with the advent of being able to take a journal article and put it on my screen and make it nice and big. Mm. It made life so much better. Um, so that's, that's how I'm reading. And I'm also using Kindle a lot or Audible. Audible is also one of those things that has saved me tremendously mm-hmm. because I don't have to focus my eyes and that let the, my eyes get tired. I can actually close my eyes and read a book now, which is one of those things that is very helpful. I would think so. Absolutely. So how, I mean, you kind of talk about it when you talk about what dysgraphia is, but what sort of limits did that put on you besides the fact that everything you typed was wrong? Um, So that was in a school setting. And then you said you got into college and things, you know, you, all that print was Mm -hmm. very tiny. Um, Were there any other limits? Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, those were difficult things, but did anybody ever say, you're not going to blah, 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 blah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. All the time. Um, l- let me just say, I think I was fired from every job that I've had until I started working for myself and working for myself. I probably fired myself every day, <laughs> but I would come back and go, so that was yesterday. That's not today, but right. uh, I was left go because of documentation. Mm. Um, let go because I read something incorrectly and I did it wrong or those, those pieces that come together that just as an OT were like critical to my job. So yeah, I worked 
in a hospital setting. I worked in a long-term care setting. I worked in home care. I've worked in outpatient. I've worked in all those gamuts. But there is always something that led me back to education. Even when I was working those early jobs, I always wanted to do that, that job that put us in the education piece. But yet I never quite was able to make it there. So it was just one of those things that just, it, it, I actually put my own limits on myself because I wouldn't do things. So at what point in your life were you told that all these problems that you were having had a name and that it wasn't anything you were doing mm. intentionally or that no matter how much effort you put into it, you weren't necessarily going to overcome this? Mm -hmm. Never really got that from a doctor. Um, okay. So I realized it as I was doing my research. So my research began because I had one mom that was relentless and I love her dearly. We are really good friends today because she knew I wasn't going to give up until I got the answer to her question. Her question was, why can my child read above grade level and not be able to write? So I, I just pursued it. And there was one point when, after I had fallen back in 19, um, 2016, we had a huge, huge, huge snowstorm nor nor'easter that came up. We got dumped 30 inches in 24 hours. It was a wow. lot of snow. And I was outside afterwards cleaning up and standing, talking to my neighbor. And next thing I know, I'm on the ground. And I'm like, oh, oh. nothing was broken, but I knew I had some connective tissue issues. Mm -hmm. So during that rehab time, I'm like, I am delving into this thing. I barely can get out of the door and go to work. But in my downtime, I just really delved in. And the more I delved in, the more I went, ooh, spelling? Yeah, that's an issue. Ooh, complete sentences. Ooh, that's an issue. Um, paragraphs. Ooh, yeah. Putting anything together creative. Oh no. My daughter, on the other hand. Oh man, what a blessing she is. She <laughs> can write a nonfiction. I mean, a uh, fiction story to be like there's no tomorrow. In seventh grade, even though she has spelling issues, she was able to create this most adorable fictional tale about our cat at the time. And I wish to this day, I knew where to find it. I <laughs> would love to publish that story for her. Yeah. But it didn't happen. Um, it was a, a story about the cat that got left behind at the barn when we brought our cat home. Oh. And how upset that cat was. That I, got bet. Left I bet. Yeah. It was adorable. But anyway, that, that's, that's beside the point. So yeah. <laughs> it's a cute story. It's okay. That's all right. Did I answer? <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't until you were, I mean, this was just four years ago that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And so I went through a master's degree where I struggled. Oh my gosh, did I struggle to get through that? And yeah, I was working 10 years in, in um, school based therapy before I really got to that point where that wasn't like clear in my brain. 
And one of the questions I would always get is, does my child have dysgraphia? And I would have to go, I don't know. Right. All I can tell you is there's a problem with writing, but what that problem is, I don't know. And I don't know how to delineate that from another writing problem. And a lot of referrals for occupational therapy come in because there's a handwriting problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you get to the core of the definition, the simplest thing is anything that has a handwriting problem is dysgraphia. But one of the things that I have learned about it when I really delve down into what the neuroscience is saying and the mental health world is saying is if there is a neurological condition that is going along with the handwriting difficulty, that neurological condition supersedes the dysgraphia and that becomes the primary reason for the handwriting problem. So what does that mean? If you've got a child with ADHD or autism or cerebral palsy or muscular dystrophy or any of those neurological problems that is creating whatever is going on in their hand weakness or that they have an intellectual disability and they're not thinking correctly, all of that supersedes the dysgraphia. Dysgraphia becomes a secondary diagnosis or a comorbid diagnosis. And then it, their dysgraphia is a result of whatever that is, rather than that being the primary. So getting a specific learning disability, IEP, an educational classification, is a real challenge when it comes to dysgraphia because you really cannot have another condition. If you have that diagnosable other condition, it flips over to other health impairment. So what would you recommend? Yeah. Yeah. What would you recommend to someone who um, thinks that their child might have dysgraphia Mm -hmm. with something else? A neuropsych evaluation along with occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, depending on what's going on, but getting a comprehensive evaluation of everything that's every aspect that you can that's pertinent to getting a, a school IEP would be the first step. The second step is if you don't like it, get a second opinion and just keep digging and learn for yourself. Learn everything that you can about your child. Learn everything that you can about the system. Shelly is amazing. Go to her. Thank you. (laughs) I didn't even pay her to say that. (laughs) Sure you did. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, So I'm curious because in all my years of teaching, I never had anyone with a specific learning disability delineated out as dysgraphia, dyscalculia, uh, dyslexia. So how important is it to the getting the correct therapy to have that delineated out? I don't think it's necessarily that important. You are not going to find that as a delineation under a specific learning disability. What you need to do is you need to look at all the symptoms and you need to, you need to line, line item them out. Did I get that out correctly? I or think so. Line uh, item them out correctly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you go onto my website, which I have down below my name, dysgraphiaconsultant.com, at the very bottom of the homepage is a list of those symptoms. 
And if you click on the learn more button that's underneath that, you can pay for a beautiful little handout that I've created that shows where that information is from the DSM-5 and some other things. It also, if you flip it over on the back side, if you print it front to back, that is, um, you can get a little bit more understanding of what the types of dysgraphia are. Now, those types of dysgraphia that I'm talking about, I have coined them. So it wasn't something that came from a doctor. However, the coining was based on about three or four different physicians' information that I could come up with. But to make it so that a parent, a teacher, an occupational therapist, a child could understand it, I had to, had to give them different specific types. Mm -hmm. Now, all that being said, all together they all build on one another. So if you really don't have those foundations, mm -hmm. it's gonna be much more difficult to get the top to work. So the types of dysgraphia are visual spatial, with, which is the sensory. So going back to the literacy where I said reading is sensory, if you're having trouble with reading, if you're having trouble seeing different shapes seeing anything that's kind of built on top of one another and like a Where's Waldo or I Spy, if you have trouble with that kind of stuff, you're going to have trouble with the next step, which is motor, which is really use putting the pencil in the hand and then putting it to the paper. Oh, well, thank you. Yes, yeah, that is You're great. welcome. <laughs> and you page all the way down to the bottom. Now, where was I? Oh, okay. Sorry. So, <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. Keep going down. Keep okay. going down. There we are. There we go. Okay. Yeah. So those are, those are the symptoms. Now going on to motor, one of the things that I, I have learned as I was really uh, doing my research is that motor feature, like I talked about before, is if there is a motor problem, it's usually superseded by another diagnosis. So that motor function is usually another diagnosis that goes along with it. The next type of dysgraphia is memory. And I'm finding that a lot of kids that have a specific learning disability without an added diagnosis really are struggling with building their neural pathways to create the memory. If you page up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Right in there. Okay. The white spot. No, down, down a little bit to go to the, oh, that, okay. that spot right there. Okay. I'll talk about that as soon as I'm done with the, the types. Okay. And that level is biomechanical. The second level is language-based. So that's when you incorporate words and, and sentences to create the foundations of language and syntax and all those pieces that are put together. And then the top of the pyramid or the top of the trapezoid, as my son calls it, is um, paragraph. So putting it all together to create paragraphs and create conversational writing is where the ultimate goal is. One of the things that I have been really contemplating is what is the goal of reading? What is the goal of writing? What is the goal of keyboarding? And what is the goal of math? And I've put together these two goals as the ultimate goals all for anything that we're trying to do. So when we're reading, we really are looking at reading fluency, 
and reading comprehension. You want to be able to read fluently from left to right, catch all the words, and remember what you've read. How many times have we sat with a novel and we're reading and we're falling asleep and we have to reread that page three or four times? Mm -hmm. Our reading comprehension was on par at that moment. But the primary goals of writing really are legibility and speed. So legibility, they want them to be even with their peers and be able to delineate the letters, the numbers, the capitals, the lowercase, the punctuation. Okay. But they need to be writing it at a speed that's similar to their peers. And they have norms that go through that and they have delineated all the way up through eighth grade. Beyond eighth grade, they figure that you have a conversational paragraph. And by that point, it's pretty much negotiable whether you're going to get faster or not. The primary goals of keyboarding are expression and accuracy. I'm going to go back to Mavis Beacon, where <laughs> it was, what's that letter F? Yes, that's, see, I have to go look at the keyboard yet. F, 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 and then on the other side, it's J? J. Okay. J, 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 F, J, F, J. And really getting that down and really getting that accuracy down. So mm -hmm. accuracy kind of is the first piece. And then really trying to produce a written expression from that ability to type. Now, I've got to say that I don't follow Mavis Beacon. I don't use pinkies very often because my strength in my pinkies is not very strong. I do some kind of thing where I'm just using the four fingers in the front. It's kind of weird, but it's better than hunt and peck. Right. I to say that. Yeah. So the primary goals of math are understanding the procedures that you need to do to do addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, algebra, calculus, integrals, derivatives. So you need to understand the vocabulary that goes with it. And that's why math is included because you have all those pieces that have to go together to make it a unified understanding. But if you don't have a conceptual understanding of math, whether you know the procedures or not, if you don't understand what you're, the concept behind what you're doing, it's mm -hmm. no point in being doing it. Right. And one of the things that a lot of our kids fall into is being able to do school math, which is procedures, and have no idea what they're doing it for. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the things that that uh, I'm also looking at now is the connection between the math problems and the writing problems. And I'm helping a math teacher write a book on awesome. dyslexia right now. That's awesome. So there's that writing piece again. How, there's you the know. writing piece of it. Yes. <laughs> so... Um, as far as my pyramid, mm -hmm. I believe it's on my about page. So if you go to the hamburger. Okay. Go to the hamburger. The hamburger thing next to login. The hamburger. Oh, 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 oh. the lines. Okay. <laughs> yep. And go Sorry. to the about page. I think it's on the about page, but I very well could be at the wrong place in my okay. site. So keep going. Just kind of page, page down. Let me double check if it's there. No, it's not yeah, in that one. There it is. Yeah, there, there it is. is. So there is my uh, um, trapezoid. I tried to make it a pyramid. It just did not come out to be looking like a pyramid. So it is my trapezoid about dysgraphia. So 
And this is what you just explained to us. So yeah, that's on the bottom of your about oh, no, page. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I have included in our comment section a form that you had sent to me, and this is the form address. So what does this form do for people if they go to this web, to this address? Okay. It is not in my website at this point in time, so you cannot find it there. You need the web, the, the forms link from Google to be able to find it. What that is, I am working on a dysgraphia questionnaire. It is takes a little while to complete about 15 or 20 minutes. You do have a sentence that your child has to write. So first of all, I ask you to have dictate the sentence to the child. Then you're going to give the child the copy and they're going to copy it. What I'm looking at by you answering some of those questions are some of the behaviors behind what the child is doing, what the child is able to understand with dictation, what their understanding is of copying, and really trying to see where they're at and giving you some feedback as to whether you need to get more into the visual spatial and really work on those foundational uh, visual skills. Is it more memory and you really need to work on memory? Or is it more language or, or conversational base and really understanding words and sentence structure are her, are the, where they're having the problem. But, awesome. But really, so, getting, so this is, but really getting through those two found, those three foundational areas mm -hmm. are going to be what you need to conquer first before word formation and sentence formation become uh, accessible from your body. The, the memory is one of those key factors and learning some memory strategies are what we are actually doing when we're creating an IEP for somebody. We're com creating compensatory strategies for memory, but also helping the child work through the memory things and being able to get it to the point where it is there and they can use it is going to be one of the challenges that to overcome it. Okay. So well, thank I, you. Thank you so much for sharing that form with you're us. Welcome. You're welcome. So I use a lot of compensatory strategies. Like I talked about at the beginning, mm -hmm. I can manage it. Like I can still write on a piece of paper and not, not always spelled right. <laughs> I can. It's getting it to the point of really being able to utilize it, that it makes it different. So, right. So um, make sure that if you're watching this, live right now or as in the replay that you um, copy and paste that link to the forms if you want to have a little bit of interaction with Sherry um, and she will look over those results for you and give you some information that um, is not available to the general public going to her website and looking so not this time I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get it there but it hasn't made it that far yet all I'll right give me about five days I am very busy and sometimes it takes a little while to get to that form to answer and look it over and answer the questions for you. But I do try to get to it by the end of the week. That is fabulous. Thank you so much. I, so, I, I feel very special that you would include that with us today um, and make that available to viewers. So um, we've talked about a lot of the, the things that I had um, told you ahead of time that we were going to, to cover. What, um, what do you think with your students? Have you had a, a really big change 
in a student from when you started with them um, and as you were down the road. Can you tell us some stories or a particular story? Well, I can tell you this. I have an OT that took my course. I developed a course that goes along with the book that OTs, dyslexia teachers have taken. I'm getting ready to launch it again. I had pulled it offline, um, hoping that by the end of the month, it'll be back up online again. But um, the first, one of the first people that took the course, it was last August. And she said to me, sent me an email about a month into the course. And she's like, you are never going to believe what happened to me. Okay. She said, I'm sitting in an IEP meeting and mom is describing all the symptoms that you have put down in your website and all the things that you talk about in the book and all the things that you're talking about in the course. And I'm sitting there. He has a diagnosis of autism because he was expelled from the other school because he kept running away. Hmm. She listened and she started to speak up and said, I think that these are some of the things that you're trying to describe to me. Is that so? Yes. Well, let me tell you about dysgraphia and started explaining that to dysgraphia. The tears started running down mom's face. And about a month later, you know, you go through the next evaluation process and get the new IEP. And this was like, they fast tracked him because they wanted to make sure that he was doing well. Mm -hmm. So before school started last year, they had the, that 30-day meeting that you know, they have to have really early on. Within 30 days, they have a new IEP. So they really did fast track it. Wow, yeah. Um, and she says to me, you would not believe this. This kid is asking to go on the bus. He is ready before wow. the bus is coming in. He's asking mom to go on the bus. And the chills still go up my spine every time I tell that story. Yeah. For myself, I had a kiddo who I was using one handwriting program with, and I'm just like following the directions on there, not understanding what I'm doing, mm-hmm. not understanding the connection with dysgraphia. I changed some of the words, some of the concepts of what I was teaching. And I have somewhere his form early on up through and I started with him day one of kindergarten. I'm in fourth grade. I go to this course on handwriting and I learn something new. At the beginning of the, the, the session, I did this old version. I taught him some of the concepts during the session and had him rewrite the same sentence. He, mom said, why did you write that for him? I said, I didn't. He did it. Wow. Went That's from awesome. Totally totally, totally illegible to, <laughs> it looked like an adult wrote it. Mm-hmm. And from that day on, his handwriting just blossomed because part of what it takes is understanding the concept that the kid grasps in their mind so that they can understand it. So no handwriting problem meets all kids' needs. Right. There's a lot of them out there what I'm more kind of an eclectic. I pull a little bit from this one and a little bit from that one and a little bit from this one over here. And I mix and match sometimes within the same session to try Mm -hmm. to pull what's going to work for that child. So that's one. I had another one 
who basically within a session did the same thing with this new program. I mean, the, the program got me to the point where I kept contacting this person who created that program and I worked for her for a little while for free. I gave them my time as I was doing research on dysgraphia. And so I still call her my OT mom. <laughs> we can have that. Yeah. I, I, I probably would, would say I have a, a special ed mom that really helped me kind of grasp things. And I'm like you with, um, you're pulling little bits from this and this and this for OT stuff. I've done that with behavior modification program that I've developed over the years um, where I've pulled from different trainings that I've been through and you because you pick out the things that connect with yeah. you the most with the students the most mm -hmm. and not that the rest of it isn't important as well because um, there, there are lots of things for behavior as well as for OT and physical therapy and speech therapy um, mm -hmm. so in case I just realized I don't think we've just we've described OT is occupational therapy and typically true. <laughs> <laughs> typically um, you did mention this part of it earlier that any kind of handwriting issue does get referred for an occupational therapy evaluation within the school system. So you are now not working um, or are you working for other people or are you just your own OT business now? I have a day job and I have a dream job. Okay. <laughs> My job is I am still a direct service provider for some cyber schools. I am subcontracted with that day, that job in my own company to several cyber schools. I did have some contracts with brick and mortars as well along the way in my years past. Because of writing the book, I have gotten rid of the brick and mortar. One of the things that I did is there was a grant that was available in my state to allow people to that have bachelor's degrees or above to be substitute teachers in classrooms with some training. I took that training and for two years I was a substitute teacher as well okay. as having this particular job as an occupational therapist direct service provider. Meanwhile, writing the book, and since the book is completed, I am now launching online products, online programming. I am coaching parents, teachers, occupational therapists. I am building leadership uh, programs to help take their knowledge of understanding of the dysgraphia and teaching them how to get it out to their public, their, their environment. And I say to them, be the dysgraphia authority your school needs because every school needs somebody who really understands it. Yeah. And there is no way I'm never ever physically going to be able to go into every school. Right. And all over the world to be able to help. That's where my program comes in really nice. For the most part, it's self-paced, uh -huh. but there's online piece like you and I are doing. We do get on as a group and we hash out What's going on this week? What have you been up to? Do you need any help? Those kind of questions. And we, so every other Sunday night, I'm online with them. And then the other two nights of the Sunday at the, around the same time, I'm on with this leadership group that we are learning how to take it from that direct service provider 
and take it to the next level. What can we do, even if they don't want to leave their school as that role, what can they do to improve programming overall? What can they do to help educate the teachers? What can they do to help educate the parents? What kind of programs can we set up? So some of the ideas are creating response to intervention uh, programs. Oh, nice. Um, extended school year style programs, before and after school programs, um, programs that are going alongside like maybe the art teacher or the music teacher, um, and just creating an environment within the school that helps you be that authority that you need to be and also have professional development along the way. Yeah, that is awesome. And I mean, I think about, um, you know, what I do and, and how knowing the information from your book, um, from the webinars that I have been able to attend, that mm -hmm. it broaden not just my own horizons, but everyone mm -hmm. else's. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about our students, especially, um, I have found over the years that once a child is told you have whatever. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that has reduced their stress level because mm -hmm. they felt that if I just work a little bit harder, if I just put more hours in, if I, if I just whatever, yeah, because they think it's something that they, they're not doing, that like, they're not doing like, I would write and rewrite. And and yes, sometimes with the dysgraphia, it's a, a refusal to write. I was the opposite. I would overwrite and I would practice the wrong spelling all the time. Oh, kind of a thing. Um, so there isn't always a refusal to write that, that goes along with it. It's sometimes it's just whatever you're practicing is what you're ingraining in your brain. And there are words that I just cannot spell. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried, but that ingrained early on is stuck there and I can't get it out of there. Right. Yeah. So I, I definitely encourage anyone who is watching this to reach out to Sherry for her program to become the dysgraphia expert in your area, because it is something that isn't known. And I really believe that it will help students feel a little bit better about themselves that, oh, okay, well, my brain is just wired this way mm -hmm. and we can go in there and, and talk the way my brain is, is wired. Then mm -hmm. I can understand things a lot better. And when you, whoa, sorry, dropping everything here. Um, when you, when a child feels that, that boosts their self-confidence. And so when they're doing better and the class runs better, then their education is better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and if any teachers and administrators are listening, if someone comes to you and says, what do you know about dysgraphia? If you don't know anything about it, then just say, I don't know anything about it. I'm going to research. I am, and I am always welcome to and open to come to some, your school one of my one of my philosophies is a very much a neuroscience based philosophy and it's that you only understand a little bit of information at a time mm -hmm. you can't absorb it all in one day so although i agree that coming to the school is going to be something that's viable yes coming for like a 6 hour uh 
impromptu, like a training that you get like all in one day. But one of my philosophies in the way I like to coach, instruct, and give back to the school is come once a month to your school so we can go over, okay, this is going on with Johnny. Let's talk with, and I want to talk to the teachers about how to make that adjustment. I'm not trying to step on any occupational therapist's toes there. I'm looking at how can we improve that collaboration within the school, help that along them along. So by the time a few years have gone by with the, the teachers in those schools, we're going, yeah, we don't need you anymore. So I kind of like to say, I like to fire myself over time uh-huh. because really trying to get it to the point where the teachers have enough information right. that they know when to go to their local occupational therapist and go, you know, this is this and this are going on. And I'm not saying that the occupational therapist don't know that, don't understand it. They right. do. They're speaking it in different terms maybe than I have been uh, teaching it mm-hmm. and really getting that collaboration together. One of the things that I think is a challenge in today's school is collaboration between the team members. I've been in IEP meetings where I feel like almost like the polarization of Trump and Biden right now, you know, the mm-hmm. whole thing that's going on. I feel like that can happen also in an IEP meeting between the friends. And a lot of times, it's because there's somebody that really is not articulating in the way that the person who's receiving it can understand. So learning different terms, different strategies to articulate what is going on is going to help that collaboration. Having co-teaching programming is also going to help that collaboration because if you have an OT and a teacher in the classroom while we're instructing in kindergarten how to make the letter K, we're going to have a lot fewer trouble on that diagonal coming in and where to put it between the capital and the lowercase. Believe me, the, the K is, is, is an issue. Um, yeah. P is an issue. Is it that line? Is it that line? Is it that line? Where does the end of the thing? So I get a lot of P's that have a D with a flag down below going below the line because oh. they don't know, is it a Keppel? Is it a lowercase? Well, how far is it going? Oh, right. you know, it, those things, those pieces that, that happen there. And part of it is that teacher A taught them this way. Teacher B taught them this way. Teacher C taught them this way. And they're going, I don't know which way to do it. And then parent comes in and teaches number four. Right. Yeah. And, not that any of them did it wrong. Right. Exactly. Did it different. And the collaboration wasn't there to unify the terms, confuse the kids and just didn't help. Also today's multimedia, there are, there is a program out there where you can learn how to write online. She's teaching you via computer. I have, this was not one of the things that I uh, did ahead of time, but one of the ladies that I have interviewed in my show is the TV teacher. She has actually gone through all the letters, all shapes, all kinds of stuff. She's done videos oh. and worked on that. She, the reason that she started this was she had a kiddo whose mom came to her and said, he learned how to dance by watching videos. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm talking ballroom dancing. Oh my, wow. Just by watching like uh, the, the TV shows. Uh, at, uh, mm-hmm. And um, she's like, can we just try it? And she's like, sure, I'll do the same thing I was doing in session. I'll just videotape it. Well, he learned his entire alphabet between first grade and second grade over the summer. Wow. He didn't write any of it through first grade. Wow. And she had been seeing him that entire year. She put the stuff on video. And within that summer, he learned his entire alphabet and number system just by videos and watching videos because that's what he was learning from. So mm-hmm. that's another thing that um, it's the tvteacher.com if you want okay. to. Um, add that into the, the notes yep. later. Um, but Marnie is absolutely fabulous. She is an occupational therapist also, and she co-owns the business that they've created with that particular parent. And that particular parent has some business sense. So that is amazing. Is it the tvteacher.com or TV teacher? I think it's the tvteacher.com. Oh, then I did it wrong. Let me add the in front of there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It'll be one of these. So try both links and see what you get. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have a YouTube channel. And what was really nice is during COVID, I, I think that she has changed it at this point. But when COVID first began for the first 90 days, they had released all the licensing for oh, nice. their program. So you could access everything now that she has the license back up and running again. But the license is so minimal. Why go anywhere else? Yeah. Uh, so... Like I said, I have uh, these couple programs that I do. I, you know, I pull from each one, but I do like that, that, that she has that online for, for students today. Also want to say to that, um, there's a New York school, Long Island, I believe she's on, um, a a school in Long Island that has done a two year, uh, program uh, research project with an OT that was working full-time with them. And what they did was they compared three programs, handwriting programs in the schools. What did the kids like? What did the teachers like? What did they not like? What did they not? And out of those three programs, they liked the TV teacher the most and it was the least expensive for the school to apply for. Excellent. So well, there you go, guys. I mean, <laughs> the other, the other programs that are out there that I do like are from realotsolutions.com. If you want to put that one in real OT solutions, it's called the size matters handwriting program and handwriting without tears, which it used to be HW tears, but I think it's now LWT tears or oh, um, okay. learning without uh, tears.com. Okay. So those are the other two programs that I prefer. If you're teaching cursive, I like the program Loops and Groups, and I don't know what the name of the, the website is, but it Loops and Groups for cursive. So one of the things is a lot of kids that have dyslexia, dysgraphia issues, do better learning cursive first and then learning how to print, especially if they ha- get fatigued easily. Um, it helps them with the visual, the start and the stop of the word. It helps with word spacing um, because you don't lift your pencil. Mm-hmm. A lot of kids who have spacing issues need to learn cursive so that they are looking at smaller amounts. It's amazing how our brains work. I'm always fascinated when I talk with somebody, like you were saying before about the individual student who 
learned all of those things from video. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, that's just the way that his brain it's processed it. Brain and, you know, and then you have, you know, all these different um, websites that you've used and different programmings that you've used. And, um, and I probably have my own unique one and every occupational therapist is the same way. They have their own unique style to what, right. what they're doing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all of that information. And if you, again, if you are a teacher, an admin of OT, um, this program is hashtag no limits. Don't limit your students because of thinking that you know everything already. Um, they're always Einstein's thing about the fish and the tree and climbing. I don't remember what it is, but yeah, something about if we tested everybody how to how well they swim, then you know, climb the tree, the fish would lose. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's what it is. Something, yeah, something like that. That, yeah, and I mean, there's there's so much information out there, and um, don't limit your students and don't limit yourself by thinking. Mm -hmm. You know everything there is to know. It doesn't matter if you're a veteran therapist, administrator, or teacher. There's always new stuff coming out. And we're always learning more about the brain and how the brain works and what parts of the brain activate what parts of motor issues and speech issues. And um, so there's there's always stuff to learn. And, and just like we would want our students to always be learning, we can't stop as adults. Um, and I, I have learned knowing Sherry for the last year or so. Um, and I don't even remember how I found you. Um, but you found me. I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. Instagram one night. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I was probably just scrolling through Instagram and, you know, and I saw this dysgraphia person and I was like, I've heard that word, but I really don't know a lot about it. Um, and I have had students, clients that probably would qualify under dysgraphia. Um, so it is something that, that we need to get more information about. So before I um, wrap up everything, you've, we've added your website into the chats, I think. Uh, nope, I don't have it in there. I take that back. Um, was up on the screen when it, I it was yeah when you're when you're so dysgraphiaconsultant.com and then on that website can they find how to get your book and how to yeah. get programming you the three the hamburger menu mm -hmm. find the store in the store I'll have a couple things okay. and click on the purple bo uh, buttons you can get in more information about my membership program if you click on the green buttons, you'll get to more information about the course. And if you go all the way to the bottom, because you don't want to uh, do a little bit of money at this point, you want to learn first. If you go all the way to the bottom of the homepage, there is a mini course that I have in there for free. Yes. And that's the one that I've joined. <laughs> and I need to go back and redo it because I've forgotten what I learned because I did it. like That's fine. That's and fine. Um, and one one of the things is that I pull in Shelly once a quarter and we have a powwow. This is what Sherry's doing in business. Mm -hmm. And I have a, a, a group of ladies and gentlemen that come together and we're just discussing how to keep business going. And the feedback that I have gotten from Shelly has been phenomenal, amazing. 
she has a very creative mind that I don't have. So Thank you. look at that, look at what Shelly is doing as, as the IEP coach. She has a very creative way of getting the job done. So keep that in mind as you're learning to grow and you don't know anything about Shelly. She is very creative in the way that she is approaching an IEP and she is very calm in an IEP meeting and really has a way of, of graciously encountering conflict. Wow. Okay. Um, let me, <laughs> thank, you, thank you so much. I, um, didn't pay her for that either and was not expecting it. So, um, thank you very much for that, that, um, yeah. I have been speechless. How about that one? I, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> no That's, um, thank you. I, I mean, I really don't know what else to say. So, um, again, Thank you for joining me and being part of the No Limit, the hashtag No Limits group. You can follow Sherry on, she's on Facebook, she's on Instagram, um, she's on LinkedIn, she's got her website, dysgraphiaconsultant.com. And, and where? And YouTube. And YouTube. So she's like me, she's everywhere. You can't get away from us. <laughs> well, you can if you at all. I technically am on Pinterest and Twitter too, but I'm really not there. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. And she's on, uh, are you still on Teachers Pay Teachers? Yes. And Is your book still there? So if yeah. you're interested in um, the handwriting brain body disconnect book, um, it's also available through Teachers Pay Teachers. Well, the, the book isn't my ebook. My mini ebook is there. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I'm sorry about that. And now I, that was probably weird. I just looked off to the side of the computer because um, I'm, I'm talking to you on my phone now instead of <laughs> on my tablet screen. I kind of keep looking down at my phone just to see if there's anything in there that I need to address. And I haven't really seen anything. So that's been hard. All right. Well, if you like this video, give it a thumbs up or hit the like button, depending on where you're watching it. If you're watching it on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any of the hashtag no limits interviews or my Friday with Frans. This Friday with Fran, we are going to be discussing enabling versus equipping and what the differences are. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. So in next week on Hashtag No Limits, I will be interviewing Shay Spears. She is another master IEP coach who grew up with a disability, and she's going to talk to us about how she has overcome and broken through those limits. So this is oh. Shelly Kino from Shelly Kino IEP Consulting, making the world better for all, one IEP at a time through limitless possibilities. Oh, Thanks, wow. everyone. Thank you. It was great to be here.